0: Okay. Well,
1: huh. Interesting. Hi, Jolyn. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing?
0: I am fantastic. Hi. You can see, you got the, the colors in the back.
1: I'm in an undisclosed location right now.
0: Good for you. You know, pretty, you know, sometimes we all need a little bit of witness protection. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's been an interesting, uh, it's been an interesting t- 48 hours for the week so far, but, uh, we got an interesting day tomorrow but you know it wouldn't be executive education of course if we didn't give some form of a lesson so
1: you ready for today I'm ready totally all right
0: well are you ready I, I am just let me you know you know get myself in order you know to go all right here we go what's good everybody I am Mark Monroe accompanied by my wonderful co-host co-producer co-creator and all things Galactic from an undisclosed location give it up for none other than the wonderful.
1: Well, as the cousins, it's your lens you see in the place to be, and you know I have a little frog in my throat. I'm hella congested, so you know, part of me, I'm gonna still, you know, do my best energetically. But Lord, we
0: got you. We Lord got help you me this day. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, go ahead and cue that wonderful intro. All right. All right. All right. So, you know, y'all welcome to Executive Education. It's Tuesday night. We're going to do some things a little bit different tonight, but don't worry. We got you covered. You know, we always keep it tight for the educational purposes. Shout outs to all of our cousins over there on LinkedIn. And if you could do us just one little special favor, just one little special favor, if you're on YouTube. Go ahead and like, comment, or subscribe to the channel. That's it. Yeah. You can choose one of those two. If you're already subscribed, then just go ahead and hit the like button. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and hit subscribe. And if you feel generous even further, you know, you can hit just, you know, maybe do another thing, either like or comment. So, you know, it's completely up to you. So no pressure, none at all. And then on top of that, if you're one of the LinkedIn cousins on the professional network, you know, we definitely suggest that you go ahead and just share this, you know, just share this post to your network, because I'm probably sure that there's somebody out there that's like, generative AI, stock market, the Fed, what does mm-hmm. it all mean? Well, tonight we're gonna find out. So, all right, so JoLynn, we got a lot to get into, but- We do, uh, but first- you No, know, who was first?
1: No, oh, Uncle Charles was first. Okay. <laughs> he said, okay. let's go. But Mark, hey, who made your yes. glasses? Cause someone, one of the uh, cousins moved to smooth said the glasses gang is on fire tonight
0: it is and shout out to our wonderful cousins this is actually made by come up cousins shout outs mm-hmm. to roman cam from the shady side up so
1: All i'm right. definitely rocking you know they stay they, they they definitely stay reference so shout out to you cam and Rome. um i want to tell you that i got a message um from the optical um goddess aka my um eyewear stylist and she was out okay. in new york for a conference and you know, some come up cousins rolled up on her like <laughs> this good, sis. Like,
0: yo, what's good with what's good with these glasses though?
1: Right. So I thought that was I thought that was hilarious. Because you know, she was imagine a
0: person being hood and just walking up on you, be like, hey yo, I need those spectacles, like right now. I'll run that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I just thought that was, I thought that was um funny. So shout out, I don't know which cousins it was, but shout out to those cousins. Um, I were gang gang all day. <laughs> Well, all right. So shall we talk about a little bit of generative AI? We should, you know, because it's going to what's funny, Mark, is that it's going to change after we start talking about it. Mm -hmm. There'll be a a new update. Something else will happen. It's going so fast.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. It's going extremely fast. And what if I was to tell you that there's already over like five unicorns? So there's over five unicorn startups. Mm-hmm. That are, well, I mean, technically, if you reach a billion dollars in valuation, are you really a startup anymore? Or are you just a full-fledged growth company or company that's preparing for, you know, either acquisition or going down the IPO road? That's sure. for a whole nother episode. So we're not going to get too much into that one. But um, let's see here. Um, so generative AI, if you've been living under a rock, um, which I know that none of you have. But many, I've, I've been getting this question, I don't know for how long now, probably since mm-hmm. really 2020, about generative AI, whether it's GPT tools or machine learning and mm-hmm. all those other different things. A lot of times when we started out talking about technology, and especially when I like hinted towards like the chip sector, I talked a lot about AI when I talked about NVIDIA, as well as a little bit of AMD and some of the other players there. I also talked about AI plays with Microsoft and how they use it with their business intelligence cloud. Uh, to literally let the AI learn from the use case of its customer base, and then from there, literally like create new business models, new verticals. So yeah, so it's it's been quite the journey uh, in this space. But for those in whom which that little bit need a little bit more of a like I guess a small lecture on generative AI, then today's the day. So that way we can like literally get a lot of the obvious stuff or even some of the new stuff that maybe even some of you that have been in AI don't recognize here's what's at play. So let's get into it, shall we? Yes. All right, so generative AI in the future, cause you know, I just can't talk about AI. I have to kind of like discuss exactly where we're going with things. So of course we've talked about artificial intelligence uh, again and generative AI is just one of those next iterative steps within mm-hmm. the artificial intelligence landscape, you know, went from, you know, simple based recommendations with machine learning. Um, and then on top of that, we went from other places such as, um, and let me just go ahead and throw myself up on the screen. We went from that space to like, if you notice within your applications, they made recommendations for you. Mm -hmm. Um, now it's gotten so much data now where it's able to recognize images. So we had OCR and image and text recognition and then taking all that text and then using it. I think the first companies that really did it successfully was like companies like Facebook and Twitter. So like, if you talked about certain things on social media networks and it showed up in your Amazon or other shopping areas where it's like, yo, were you listening? Um, and yes, So it used audio and text as well as conversational pieces to put it together. And then from there, notice how I'm I'm like going through that, that, that iterative process for everybody. And then from there, we started letting the AI literally process a lot of those things and start to like give it instructions, aka prompts to start to think for itself with using that data. And that's how we ult- ultimately got to generative AI, which it really focuses on some key specific areas. So without further ado, let's go ahead and break into this uh, presentation, shall we? And I'll go ahead and blast it up on full screen for everybody, just so that way everybody's got it. All right, so um, generative AI, uh, just for those in whom we will we'll be listening on Apple Podcasts, as well as Spotify, shameless plug, um, let me go ahead and read it for you. So it's pretty much a type of computer technology that can create new things like images, videos, music, and more, all on its own. Now, when they say all on its own, that's not entirely, uh, that's, that's not completely true. Because to a certain degree, it's going to need, like, for example, you to give it a request. It's going to need to be given instructions, or it's going to be needed to give a certain type of what we call syntax, a.k.a. a prompt to literally produce something. So for example, take this image that you see here on the screen. Yes. That's me um, with waves that I will probably never have um, <laughs> and a paper quill type moment. So I literally pre- produce a, a a prompt that literally said, make me robotic, give me a paper quill texture and make sure that my hair is wavy and you know that was it. And so then they're in using an application by the name of mid journey uh, which is free for everybody to use. But again, um, we can get into that in a whole nother other conversation. It literally generated it by me just telling it to imagine with the prompt. And then the AI imagined me, my image, with that prompt. And that's what it literally kicked out. And so you know, it's kind of cool. But you know, if you kind of get the gist of it, it's more so leading us into a content base. So generative AI is like a machine that c- can create new things such as images, videos, and music without being told exactly what to create. Now, one example of generative AI is creating new video game characters. So um, we're starting to see this more and more often where the machine can be trained to create characters that are unique and interesting without needing to be told every detail uh, of what the character should look like. So the AI can produce like pretty much a lot of these things. And so pretty much every single image that you see on this screen or on this slide is literally generated by AI, So if you don't recognize, that is the middle image was actually generated by, in Midjourney, uh, it was actually created of Cousin Dave, who was on the episode recently with us when we had uh, Cousin Bill from the Fed on. By the way, great episode and shout out to Cousin Dave. Um, and then, of course, it can even think about other things where I think about a futuristic uh, city, uh, it's a cityscape in a form of a clock and that's what it created so again it's like it's you're starting to we're starting to give ai imaginative imaginative, lucid (laughs) or vivid uh ideas as it pertains to what is it that we see to ultimately really give it its thought so another example is creating new pieces of music right so Mm -hmm. the machine can listen to existing (coughs) excuse me can listen to existing music um, and create piece, new pieces that sound similar, but with its own unique twist. Now remember, think about the type of AI that we had to utilize that got us to that point.
1: Yeah, walk it back.
0: Yeah, let's have some water. All right. so <laughs> all right, so when we think about it, do you guys remember an app by the name of Shazam?
1: Yes, I do.
0: Okay, so Shazam is one of those applications in which that it was an AI model. That was definitely trained to listen to all different types of music and then to be able to recognize within a matter of seconds. It got better over time
1: mm-hmm. where
0: it's able to recognize, OK, hey, this is the song. This is the artist. And literally give you that type of you know idea or give you that type of feedback. But let's journey back a little bit further. You know, think about all the the virtual assistants. So Google assistants, the Alexas, the series. But, you know, here's the funny thing. Let's give you a little bit of history lesson. Before Siri was Siri, it was actually a company by the name of Nuance, Nuance Technology. And Nuance Technology was the company that literally created the virtual assistant that literally then got acquired by Apple, which therein turned into Siri. And then from there, Siri's gotten, well, you know, you make your choice whether or not Siri's gotten better or not. But as you can see, it went from simple language learning models, because of course, it just was based upon Individuals having conversations. Remember the old videos back on YouTube or you know social media where people were asking, "Hey Siri, what's the meaning of life?" and all this other ridiculous mm-hmm. questions. Well, you thought it that nice like people sure. back then it only thought no that.
1: Harm and some extra
0: love. See? see, look at her already you know, in the. See, what... <laughs> see, she need to mind yourself. her bit. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> mind your business, Barbara. All right, so <laughs> all right, so when we think about it you know, it literally journeyed into having those conversations. And people thought that, oh, well, I'm just asking you the basic question. (laughs) No, it was keeping track. Now, around this time, this was like around the 2004 era. Now, I promise y'all, I will definitely tie in the conversation as we go through it. All right. So it's been around and we literally helped train it. And that's pretty much the gist of what I'm trying to get us to. So when we think about the strategies for using it, You know, for using generative AI, it it pretty much involves training the machine with lots of data, testing and refining its outputs over time. So what it produces, a.k.a. the things that were on our screen, and providing feedback to help it get better. That's literally the loop of what we see. Now, let me go back to the slide and give you guys the full-on breakdown of how it's ultimately formed. Three things, literally three things (laughs) that literally make up the entire AI stack. It's data, machine learning, and feedback. So 30% of it is the data that comes through that essentially that, and and you're going to start noticing that those percentages start to drop, you know, precipitously because of the fact that it already has enough, it already has X amount of data. So it's only compiling and cross-referencing to what it already knows. So, and then it's using the machine learning to consistently run cycle after cycle after cycle to ultimately refine its process to get better and it takes a great deal of feedback remember those times of those images where it was telling us or when we were telling google hey this image is a dog this image is a cat that was feedback in which that we were giving and then ultimately it got to the point where it tried to guess on its own and the interesting other part to that is um when we look at it is Remember, though, like, have you guys ever noticed within your photos, like within your Apple photos, like it now recognizes the people Mm -hmm. in your contacts. So it knows the people in your contacts and it can actually like say, okay, hey, that's your wife. (laughs) That's your dog. That's your child. You know, that's all based upon AI and utilizing those algorithms to literally just consistently keep better, getting better and better. And we keep refining those things subconsciously. Because of the fact that we're just consistently feeding into the feedback loop, so no. you know, for all those folks that are upset about like, oh, AI is doing this, or I can't stand AI. Well, you know what? Here's to looking at you,
1: <laughs> Mark. So <clears throat> there's been you know conversation about um, you know where Google fits in all this, and you know yep. there's been conversation about um, you know Google being killed off, like all these different things for various reasons. Um, You know, the the search model not being the the model anymore. Like people don't want links when they can just have an actual conversation style answer to their question. Um, And then also, you know, all of those links tied to Google's ad business, right? So my question is, um, well, one, let me back up because I received an email um, invitation from Google uh, this morning, actually. asking. To yeah, do the beta for um, Bard, which is their, um, which is Google's uh, kind of like their Chat GPT, and it's for creative collaboration. So um, mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting because that's how I currently use Chat GPT for my creative endeavors. Um, yep. But you know, I named it Aisha. You know, AI Aisha. <laughs> flavor, you know. So I, was like, "No, I'm just kidding." But um, the question is, where does Google? Where does Google fit in to all this? I mean, we're talking about the future. Google's at
0: the center point.
1: Okay.
0: Google is literally like, if if everything else is an organism in this entire thing, Google would probably be the nucleus to it all.
1: Okay. Because
0: think about the amount of data. Think about the amount of search that all the things in which that we searched off and searched off of. It was mm-hmm. all through Google. You know, I think about all the services that were created through Google. Now, did Google do it better as it pertains to monetizing and making the business model better? Probably not. But yet when you look at the language models and everything else that it did, like there was a Google I.O. event. And this is why I love Google. This is why I love you know developer events more Mm -hmm. than I like actual product events is because of the fact that you really get to see the innovation that's really at hand. And I remember one year, I think it was like, oh man, I'm going to like go back to 2014 or 2013, where they literally had the AI make the phone call for you. So the AI would call the business. It would literally schedule the business. It would literally talk to an actual human. And the human didn't know that they were talking to an AI machine. It was, it was talking to AI and the AI was booking the appointment for the person. And then after it had did all that booking, it literally put it into the person's Google calendar.
1: Yeah, that's but that,
0: but just think about the data there you know right. the data mm-hmm. you also have also google business so a lot of businesses have placed their information on google and of course if you create a website and it's like that data is meta tagged on google so google has that and then on top of that all the things in which that were searched for google reviews mm-hmm. you know menu items all those things circumvented around google and then of course phones devices all those things like think about android like like Android is the main OS that Google acquired from another person. And now essentially everybody pays Android, AKA Google, that licensing fee. And just think about the amount of data from all those Android users from around the world. Cause technically Google's Android system has more users than iOS users. Mm. And then think about all those iOS users that were also using Google services like Gmail and everything else that are now on their devices. So Google's always been at the centerfold, has always been at the centerfold of everything.
1: That's really fascinating. Do you remember your first Gmail account?
0: I still have my first Gmail account. So
1: do I, I'm really proud
0: of <laughs> Okay. <laughs> all right, so Let's 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 quickly look at this real quick. So when we think about data, right, data is the information that machine that the machine uses to learn and create new things. For example, if the machine is creating uh, new music, the the data might be a collection of existing songs for it to learn from. So mm-hmm. in order for it to create notes and everything else, AKA, you know, AI will become the Kanye West, except better as it pertains to sampling. Um, and then a machine learning model is a set of instructions that tells the machine how to use the data to create new things for like the existence. So let's say, for example, the model might be a set of rules of how to create melodies based on the existing music data. So one of the things that we're learning across the entire landscape is, is that everybody's using a lot of AI tools. And we found out that a lot of music is actually written in like E or E flat. And it's actually quite noticed that a lot of the successful songs are actually written in in that key. All right, so then we also have, say for example, the feedback part, which is very much so important. And I'm going to show you why. Um, Feedback is the is the information that the machine uses to improve its creations. For example, if the machine uh, creates this new piece of music, right, Mm -hmm. and the feedback might be someone telling it what they like or what they don't like about the new song. Like, have you ever noticed? Like, if you wrote something on Chat GPT and mm-hmm. it's like it didn't get it right, and then you responded in the next line, "Hey, that wasn't right." Have you ever have you ever noticed that Chat GPT doesn't talk back? It's like, okay, I'll fix it.
1: Oh, I Aisha never talks back, but Mark also that feedback part is so. Key, not even just for the development and the furtherance of um, AI, a.k.a. Um, Aisha, but also um, prime example. So Mark, remember how we were talking about earlier how the um, the history was missing from our chat GPT, right? Mm-hmm. Like there it needs to be restored. There was like a glitch mm-hmm. in the make or whatever. And so one of the things that, um, one of the things that I started doing was besides just copying and pasting you know key components of my conversations into separate documents um i started um asking um aisha i asked her i was like okay so i like this result now what would be the exact prompt that i would need to ask you to get a similar result in the future and so that has cut down on you know me trying to think of like prompts You know, all the time, like I just get the best of the best, and I keep a database of all of my um, prompts for when Aisha does a really good job. And then when she does a bad job, like I work with her to you know, get her back on track. But it is interesting how feedback works both ways. It's feedback for, you know, um, the AI model, but it's also feedback for us, like how we can get better at um, feeding the data to AI to get the result that you want. Yep, so let's
0: give them a visual, shall we? So let's take, you know, our wonderful Android, beautiful Android. All right, and then let's say that, you know, there's three, we'll take those same three principles, Mm-hmm. Um. Somebody said, who saw the deep clone of Trump getting arrested today? <laughs> yes, <laughs> very much so. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see that take place a lot heavier during the election. Um. So mm-hmm. just be on, you know, Everything. keep your head on the swivel and, and and be, you know, advised. So, all right. So you need to find the right parts, right, for any type of AI model. And then, of course, you need to choose the right instructions And then on top of that, and test and refine it over time. Now, I'm going to show you something that's going to get pretty interesting. That's going to like, you know, really bring it fully up to speed for everybody. But finding and preparing data means identifying the right kind of information to use for machine, uh, for the training of the machine. Like that's that's the biggest part, you know. So, for example, one of the things that I do when testing AI models, especially on that level, is I'll give it the set of rules and I'll ask it, does it understand? Mm -hmm. And then it'll tell me that it understands. And then it's like, okay, hey, that the okay, these are the instructions. Okay, do you understand? It tells me that it understands, or it'll give me feedback for it to refine in the process. And Mm -hmm. then boom, here we go. All right, so that's crucial and making sure it is organized and easy for the machine to use. So that's, that's the basic formula right there for finding the right parts. So choosing the right machine learning model means selecting a set of instructions that is appropriate for the type of data and the kind of thing you want to you want the machine to create. So whether it's an image, whether it's text, whether it's audio or it's video now, thanks to GPT-4, mm-hmm. where they're now using just simple images or simple text to create video uh, content. If you really get an idea of where we're gathering from here,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, honestly, you know, GPT in its form of generative AI is literally for content creation. Like mm-hmm. that's literally its foundation. Is it the end all be all for AI? Absolutely not. There are far more extensive, like you haven't, we haven't even reached the area of quantum AI yet.
1: Ooh, Lord.
0: Like we haven't even gotten there yet. We haven't even gotten into the part where the AI literally is no longer in existence, where it's now those letters flip, where it's intelligent assistance and it can do it on its own by being able to either listen or being able to do XYZ and automatically interject itself. You know, not the way that, you know, my voice assistant did over here. <laughs> but <laughs> but in a totally different way um and then so when we think about a strategy right so a strategy for using generative ai uh so this kind of the stack is like building a robot you like i said you need to find the right parts aka data choose the right instructions the machine learning model and test and refine it over time the feedback to make sure it properly works that's literally how it, that's literally the foundation of those three things now now I, I'm going to, this is where it's like, it's going to get very interesting. Cause I'm going to start to like, you're going to start seeing a transition.
1: I have an example. Go ahead. Thought, um, wait, can you go back to the other one? To the previous yeah, slide? Sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. So another cool thing. When it comes to like choosing the right instructions, finding the right parts and then testing and refining over time, Um, I wanted to teach Aisha how to um, like literally like how to like post like me like tweet or any type of content creation, uh, social media rather. And um, so I gave it a sample piece of uh, like a sample post and I mm-hmm. asked Aisha to analyze it for, I think I asked her to analyze it for like style, voice, tone and something else. Yep. And then I told it to use that, that analysis to um, create a series of uh, tweets or posts based on that analysis um, about whatever topic. And why did it say, <laughs> why was Aisha like, um, what does it, Cousins? And I was like, what? It was so wild, Mark, because yep. I always said it, Cousins. So it got to the point where it I couldn't distinguish between, was that, did I write that or did Aisha write that? Like after a series of, you know. <laughs> that.
0: But that's the point. You, I mean, it ultimately gets better with that refinement, which leads us into this model. Because if you really think about, AI and how it's written, learn, build, measure, data, ideas, code. You know, That's literally, if you look at the inner circle, it's data, idea, or ideas, code, and then data. And then on the outer model, it's learn, build, or, or measure, or build, measure, and learn. Either way, wherever you fall in the cycle, that's ultimately how it works. And AI is, in that iteration cycle, they're not so different at all. So you know, if you think about it, this is the same type of model where MVPs, Minimal Viable Products, Uh, From startups are built. This is the same thing when we think about like, you know, a lot of the uh, how any company successfully makes it. This is the diagram. And this is the same diagram that's showing you and how it works with AI. Now, of course, AI is a little bit more complicated because it has to pull from different libraries and everything else. But that's a whole different conversation. Um, But the fundamentals are pretty much are the same. So remember when I was talking about like uh, those unicorns? So look at the mm-hmm. amount of unicorns that are starting to build up now. In 2019, we started off with Grammarly and OpenAI. Those are the first unicorns. So for anybody that's out there that's like, okay, hey, what Mark, what's a unicorn? A unicorn is a company or AKA startup that's now received X amount of funding and their company is now worth at a billion dollar valuation. Now the thing is, and you know, shout outs to Prentice on this one, because. He kind of like nailed it on the head. You know, there are so many out of all these, like you probably see so many, you know, white startups where it's like, you know, their founders are white and really what makes them the unicorn outside of just their idea. And, you know, but then think about how many black founders actually have unicorn companies. And I think the number is like between 13 and 24 total Mm -hmm. period out of all the startups out there um, versus the hundreds of different unicorns. But again, that's just valuation. So in 2019, we had OpenAI and Grammarly. Then in 2020, we had Ada, and then in just recently, as of last year, we had Glean, Jasper, Stability AI, and Cresta. But you wanna know something interesting,
1: Jolyn? Yeah, tell me, tell me, tell me.
0: Look at the amount of startups now. <laughs> and this is just oh, for text, then image, then... and audio. <laughs> oh, oh, Wait. no, I, you know what? I can go on,
1: I can go on, huh? Get us off the screen so we can make the, blow up the, fl- yeah, okay. Okay, there you go. So for text, image, and audio,
0: Look at the amount of look at the amount of startups that you see on your screen, whether it's for text, image and audio. Oh, and I can keep going. I can definitely keep going because let's look at the other areas as it pertains to content. So where we go from code, chatbots, video, uh, machine learning platforms, search. Hmm, Interesting. Gaming. Mm -hmm. and data like it's starting to it's starting to tell you exactly like okay hey where we are in the grand scheme of things Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like that's that's literally going to be that's literally going to help us navigate in the grand scheme of things yeah so so like you know feel free take screenshots or i may just like post it up on you know on social media for everybody to have and to be able to you know check out and play around with Um, But I just wanted you guys to understand, like, you know, and this is just very much so at the very much so beginning. So Mm -hmm. when looking across the board, you know, 85 percent of these companies are going to probably go under. 85 percent of the companies in which that you see on here are probably going to go under. But their technology and what they created will ultimately live on. Mm -hmm. And that's what matters. Yeah. And that's what matters. So. That's it for the generative AI portion that I wanted to share with you so
1: well Mark okay so A- you know you know I could talk about AI all day I love it however we do need to talk about this market we need to talk about the fed what the fed's it we need to talk about all that so you know okay AI is cute you know Aisha is cute or whatever but <sighs> you know, I know yeah. you've been dying to talk about it, anyway. <laughs> so, so don't friend You know you want. To talk I about
0: have it. been, you know, because honestly, th- there's been a lot going on. You know, there's been a whole lot going on, and you know, for for the vast portion of time, you know, I I pretty much you know stayed fairly quiet, you know, and and for good reason, and for for very much so good reason. Uh, hopefully, I'm still not pixelated for everybody out there. Hopefully, they can see me. I don't know what's going on here because I can see y'all clearly and everything else. But hopefully y'all can hear me, um, and we can, we can hey, go from there.
1: You are um,
0: if I sound robotic, then that's a that's a whole other situation. Okay. Um, which is weird because, anyway, we'll As we're
1: talking over. about AI. All
0: right. So, yeah, as we're talking about AI. So,
1: Martin, do you identify as a robot? No, I'm just kidding. Go
0: ahead. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hustle is the, hustle is the chip inside. That that's that's inside. That there you go. All right. So let's first talk about this market, you know, because beforehand and it kind of like is giving me that perfect segue from generative AI into the stock market. So if you guys remember back in late 2022, I literally everybody was asking me, hey, Mark, what is it that you're going to be like, where's your focus? And I specifically said, my focus is the chip sector. Mm-hmm. And the reason why my focus was going to be the chip sector was specifically for one reason, because I knew that AI was coming. You know, we, we we talked about this at Nausea. And so I knew that essentially that in order to have AI, and especially at a certain set of scale, so if you're going to get to a certain set of scale of using AI tools, whether it's generative or machine learning based or whatever the tools are. You're going to need X amount of processing and compute power in order to make that happen, in order to make that as an actual reality. Facts. And when looking at the when looking at the rest of the table, I literally had to ask myself, like, okay, hey, who else can do that? And it's if you really look at it, it wasn't that hard to look at, you know, the type of models that they were using for companies like OpenAI, who they were partnered with. They partnered with companies like hmm, NVIDIA a vast portion of a lot of those models in which that you see that are being used for generative AI. Think about it. How else are you able to process images, videos, you know, images, videos, audio, and even use natural language processing, which people think that natural, like text doesn't take up a lot of like space. It does.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, How else, you know, how else would you be able to compute that? You know, of course, you can use Google TensorFlow, which you're probably going to see using that for, Uh, Google's AI, but a vast portion of those models are being used by the same things that literally created. And I remember doing this in a video a while back when I was talking about NVIDIA for a breakdown, where I said the chip that's built into that was the same thing that was five times more powerful than a CPU chip, which means that they're using the same chip and started putting that into cars and started putting it into other areas in which that a machine would need to process data like everything around you in your house every appliance that you think of is probably using some type of chip and of course everybody looked at it as it pertains to like okay hey where we were as you know like hey all this significant amounts of stockpile of technology Mm -hmm. but to (laughs) to now it's just like okay well look at where we come to today now you're using that same type of like because remember if you ever go look at go look and if you need some homework for folks I want everybody to go look at uh, Nvidia CUDA core technology. CUDA core, so C U D A, CUDA core. That and what and what product cycle did that come into as it pertains to their graphics cards, where it really started to be significantly powerful? I'll give you a hint. It's a one series. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Now we're currently in the fourth series. <laughs> All right. So then think about the amount of like things that they're doing now where with films where it's like you don't even have to actually be in an actual town they are literally using Unreal Engine and literally just recreating an entire city that's literally being run off of a graphics power again somebody like there's only three major players within the graphical pro- within the graphics processing unit arena there's AMD there's Nvidia and I guess you can add in Intel that just you know said hey I'm here too <laughs> So, you know, that's the reason why I said, okay, hey, I'm paying attention to the chips because the chips will ultimately set the tone for the rest of the market as it pertains to where we're going. The world will still need to use them. People will even use them as bargaining chips as it pertains to, you know, potential sanctions or using that as as a political use of what you can and what you cannot use. We saw that also when we started talking about technology when it came to what type of chips go to China and what type of chips don't go to China. You know, those are the things in which that we pay attention to. And so it literally opened up a perfect segue of saying, okay, Hey, this is where the market is leading us now. So for a person like me, it's just like, okay, it's just a waiting game. Like that's really where it comes in when you've done the research and knowledge base that you've gathered. And even though it hasn't quite happened yet, you're just like saying, okay, Hey, I'll wait. You're literally just playing the waiting game and you know, good things come to those in whom wish that, that wait. And I've learned over my portion of my 37 years on this earth, I've learned to be patient. And I look, one of the biggest things that I can do is I can outweigh a lot of people, <laughs> whether, whether rich or poor, I will wait because honestly, it's only a matter of time. And then all of a sudden, Nvidia announces a $10,000 chip that can now be utilized for AI. An enterprise chip that they're now selling at ten thousand dollars a pop. That's wow. huge. Yeah. So, which leads us into the other parts, right? Because of course we've had the bank situation that was taking place with SVP, which we talked no about. i week. I'm, I've already, I've already, I've already, I've already spoken to, spoken to my support group and everything else. So, look, I'm moving on. Are you? Um, healing? Huh? <laughs> Are you healing? I, I'm trying. I, <laughs> I, I, I literally am trying to heal and move on. Trust me, I am.
1: It's, it's an ongoing. Um, process.
0: Mark, so you know, give yourself grace. Oh no, I I mean, yeah, I am. (laughs) I definitely am. So, but then we have to talk about this other fact, factor point. And I'm gonna, and don't worry, I'm gonna bring it home, Jolyn. All right. So, which leads us into this part as it pertains to where we are now. Given that we started seeing banks have issues. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, you know, you've heard tons of people talk about that and everything else. You know. I may just go ahead and just say it, and a lot of folks are going to be upset with me when I say this, but, you know, I don't think that it's going to, I think that it's not going to be as heavily systemic as everybody thinks that it is, but I think that the bad players, you know, the bad ones that we've already known to be bad, you know, they're going to have to take their medicine. If not, they're going to probably be removed off the block. I mean, that's ultimately how I see it coming forth. You know, I'm thinking like one of the companies that I'm watching, not saying that it's going to happen, but one of the companies that I am watching is Deutsche Bank.
1: Mm, okay.
0: I'm watching it very, very closely um, as it pertains to, you know, what is it that I'm seeing? What is it that they're saying? What does the data say? And what does their earnings say? Um, so that's a heavy arena as it pertains to like, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of banks now are trying to, you know, get cleaner or make their financials look more beautiful. I understand that um, when we look at the startup landscape, you know, you have to understand it's like banks have to make money. They have to, if they don't make money, then essentially, then how do they, see, how do they exist? How do they pay all these individuals, you know, that, that, that they have underneath their payroll from the teller or from the folks that work on the uh, customer service side, the folks that do a lot of the software based stuff, and especially for modern banking you know, how do you, how did they keep those lights on? They have to, they have to do something in order to keep those lights on. And we talked about that last week as it pertains to like how those fees and everything else are orchestrated. So we don't need to go through that, which leads us into the federal reserve though. Um, because the, uh, one of the things that I had also said, and I'm going to stick to my story Okay. You know, I said what I said, so I'm gonna stick to it. So <laughs> I said that I expect that the federal reserve is going to do another 25 basis point move. And then we're going to pause. Now, here's the thing. Here's the best way to explain quantitative easing to everybody, because we've had quantitative easing since what, 2004, you know, and it really got really strong and stringent during the during the year of 2008. And it's like for 15 years, that's ultimately what which fueled the, the bull market uh, for the past 15 since 2018 to 2023. And I think that honestly, it will restart a new bull market uh, run. I don't know for how long, but again, we're in the midst of something. And so I say 25 basis points because, again, it's like it's very rare to see a Federal Reserve literally do aggressive rate hikes and then come down and then go back up, you know, especially for, like I said, for every single rate hike to go into the system, it takes about six to nine months. So we're probably just now starting to feel maybe the second or maybe the third rate hike of that 75 basis point move now entering into the system for the for the for the economy. Um, And you're starting to see that risk hit banks uh, or certain regional banks pretty hard. Now, of course, they get hit hard because of the fact that, you know, they're getting caught in a situation where they were over leveraged. You know, when you're over leveraged on mortgage backed securities or any type of thing, of course, you're trying to make the money. And of course, a lot of the things in which that you were dealing with were uninsured because of course, easy money, easy money came through. And then, of course, regulation was deregulated for a lot of financial institutions, especially banks like Silicon Valley Bank in 2018, I think it was May 2018, that opened up the floodgates for that to happen. And then, of course, they never really had those types of checks and balances for banks like Silicon Valley Bank, like in in cross-reference to the JP Morgan's, the Morgan Stanley's, the larger banks of the world. Um, So that's very much so interesting to see how that plays. Um, I think when we look at also the AI piece, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm looking at also like, you know, there there's, there's two sides to the story. So on one side, there's a story in which that, okay, hey, yeah, Fed is, you know, Fed is hiking rates, you know, interest rates are getting high or they are high. Cost of capital is high. Inflation is running pretty hot still. Um, and at the same token, it's like, you know, companies need to show that they're financially fit to the rest of, you know, the investor community. I mean, this is really one of those markets where it's like, you're really scrutinous. And this is why I believe that we're probably, Pretty much in the late cycles, um, we're pretty much in those. I think that we're in those that early late cycle of pretty much making that turnaround where we start to come out of this. You know, normally when stuff starts to hit the fan, it's like it's normally like, okay, hey, you know, it's it's been done. It's time for us to move on. Um, so I still say that we're gonna probably. Uh, he's probably going to do another rate hike of 25 basis points and then they're going to pause and then i think around june depending on how we see inflation um and how we see things happening in the wage in the in the employment market we could probably see the last rip the band-aid off uh move which is about a 75 to roughly 100 basis point move just as the final flush to the process now of course You know, if you're the bank of banks, you definitely don't want to cause panic. You don't want to cause a stir because then if that happens, then it becomes more systemic. And now you just created an epidemic within the banking system. And the biggest thing is, is that the consumers have to have trust in the banks in which they use. If they don't, then that's a problem. Now, to the folks out there that are like, okay, hey, we need we need to run out there and go ahead and just take our money out of the banks and just put them underneath our mattress. That is the stupidest thing that I've ever heard. That is the stupidest thing that I've ever heard, because like the thing that always is interesting to me is imagine the folks during the Great Depression in the 1920s. Right. And imagine all those folks who took their money out of the banks, but yet the money wasn't really worth anything because inflation was running hot and everything else. So what difference did it make? And I understand the psychology behind it, where it makes you feel more secure and everything else, but it's not the best of decisions. You know, it's more so in the sense of letting the process itself play out. You know, the best decisions to do is not to panic, but also, but not be reactionary, but more so be strategic. Those are the best moves. Um, And then there's this other part where you're seeing a lot of the layoffs. You're starting to see a lot of legacy jobs come off of the table. (laughs) Like, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but a lot of legacy jobs are starting to come off the table. How do you know that they're legacy? Glad you asked. (laughs) Legacy (laughs) jobs are the jobs in which that honestly either one, they're not sexy anymore. So again, people just go there just really just to collect the paycheck, but not really to push anything to move the needle forward. Mm -hmm. Two, you're starting to see that essentially that you could like, when you can literally see the end of life cycle for a specific department or for that specific area of business, then that's nine times out of 10 that the writing is on the wall that you're reaching its legacy format. And ultimately companies, they move on from legacy They move on from legacy things all the time to ultimately create new space for what's coming through. So what do I project? I project that you're probably going to see a lot of sales jobs go. Mm. A lot of sales jobs are going to go due to the fact that you've had this iteration of generative AI and able to do things at a certain scale. That's also being able to cut a significant amount of the portion of cost. Now, what does that create, though? That creates a lot of jobs in which that people still need to parse the data, that people still need to work with the data, they still need to understand and also work with the system to remove biases out, so that way the data can be a lot more refined and a lot better, as well as its outcomes. Um, we got to get it to a place as it pertains to a scale, so that way it's not just individual typing in something, but more so in a sense that where it kind of like knows. That okay, hey, these are the things in which that you need. And there again, is, those are gonna create jobs.
1: I was gonna say the jobs that seems like that would be created are the ones that, you know, are uniquely, you know, human. So all of the soft skills type jobs, um, you know, the ability to collaborate with whatever AI model is there, you know, also with the small team. As well. Um, I see those kind of jobs um, increasing as some of these legacy jobs die off.
0: The best advice that I can give people, because I know that that's probably the question that everybody is sitting back and watching, whether you're on LinkedIn or you're on YouTube or wherever you're going to be listening in or watching is Here's the best piece of advice that I can give you. Start getting uncomfortable. Like you're uncomfortable right now, but yet it's like you're you're uncomfortable, but yet you're comfortable right now, because of the fact that you're you know you're insulated because of the fact that there's a steady flow of a paycheck coming through, or that there is a paycheck. But you know, honestly, I would say start getting uncomfortable. And what I mean by that is get uncomfortable to step out and venture into something in which that you don't know, learn something that you don't know. Like you know, many times is like honestly, I can't wait. For the day that I'm a dad, because I'm literally going to literally tell my son or daughter or maybe even both all the things that I wish I knew that I that I wish I had, you know, like as it pertains to knowledge base. And I'm going to give them as much knowledge base from where is it that I come from and the things in which that I've done and the things in which that how my thought process happened and the things in which that I foresee coming down the pipeline. And then from there, I expect them to run with it. The thing is right now is you're seeing a change and shift within the marketplace where if you're, if you're on it, if you're like literally thinking about it, you see that there's a baton ready to be passed on to you. Mm. Even if you're older and yet you still want to be within the, within the workforce, you could still be passed on a new baton. And there's tons of, there's tons of services out there. There's like services like Skillshare, there's communities out there in which that like, you know, Like learn the things in which that make people excited, Mm. you know, learn those things in which that is like learn the things and also in which that make you uncomfortable. Like think about all the folks in this room that are talking about, okay, hey, Skynet, (laughs) like all the all the folks in which that watched the Terminator video back in the day. And now they're still afraid of Skynet. But just (laughs) imagine what would it look like if, say, for example, if you had the privilege to be able to work on A.I. So that way the world would never see a Skynet situation. You know, in order, for, in order for innovation to really be crafted carefully and to be done the right way is that it needs diversity. It needs diversity in the sense of people from all different types of walks of life, but also focused towards a specific cause to make the technology ultimately better, but not in the sense where it creates a significant divided line. Once upon a time, we had that divided line as it pertains to a tech divide within the Black community. Where it was like it was the haves versus the have nots. And that was used as a major separator for those in whom wish that did extremely well versus those in whom wish that went without. Think about all those folks from the time period of, let's say, 2000 all the w- or let's say 2002 all the way to let's say 2010 that didn't even have a cell phone or didn't have mobile data or didn't even have a laptop. Like think about the type of divide that, that created. Think about the schools. That didn't have the same type of resources that didn't even have textbooks or didn't even have technology in their schools versus the schools that did. We've now gotten to a place, and a lot of folks are saying, Well, Mark, like we're seeing less innovation in those spaces. The reason being is because we got into a critical place. We've hit a critical mass number where it's now been become so ubiquitous that, like, really the days of the iPhone as it pertains to what it can innovate anymore, those days are done. Mm -hmm. Those days are over. Now where we are is now looking at AI, and what can that do? Now, of course, if you're looking at generative AI, what is it that you can create? And honestly, it's only the the limit is only to your imagination. So again, I strongly urge for folks in which that are afraid of it, spend time with uh, ChatGPT and other related sources and tools. You know, really, if you're a business owner, really start looking at, okay, hey, yeah, this is how my business has been running for so long and it's worked for me so far. But just because it's worked for you so far doesn't mean that it's going to work for you in the future. You know, the future doesn't care about the, the, honestly, the greatest line that my grandfather ever gave me when it comes to talking about innovation is the future doesn't care about the past. The future ultimately will overwrite the past to literally become the present. Mm. So, I mean, with that, you know, thank you guys so much for uh, watching us. Uh, Hopefully that we gave you significant amounts of value. Until next time, I'm Mark Monroe.
1: I'm Jalen GC in the place to be.
0: And this has been Executive Education. We'll see y'all next week. Peace, y'all.